It's finally Jordan Love's turn at quarterback for the Packers. How has Green Bay surrounded him? Is there enough on this roster for him to play his best football? It's Packers Day, and we're breaking them down from every angle today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Joe, I have a stat. I kind of I kind of teased these stats, but I wanted to start today's show with a follow-up from yesterday when we talked about the Broncos. And it felt like the Broncos study was was well received by Broncos fans. Mm-hmm. Every um, team except for Jaguars fans have been complimentary of I, our efforts. <laughs> um I have a statistic that's going to quantify one of the players that we we talked about. Okay. Okay. And I I kind of told you what I did over on Locked On Dolphins today, where I looked at next gen stats type stuff, and then obviously we got into it with Cortland Sutton yesterday. This is not about Cortland Sutton, but it is from the same lens. Um, how many tight ends in the NFL last season do you think had an average depth of target of at least ten yards and mm. averaged at least three yards of separation? Uh, per target that's a small number that's a small list i would guess because it's a lot of zone beaters and guys who sit underneath or are running delay routes in the flat so you're just getting check downs you're not really pushing down the field so it's yeah, easy I... to get easy to get six yards of separation when you're playing three over four under coverage and you're running the flat route right because right. it's you, they're going to sink and protect the sticks and then they're just going to step up and tackle you so what's the answer Two. Two tight ends last year with at least three yards of separation per target and an average depth of target of at least 10 yards downfield. Those two tight ends were Mark Andrews. That was going to be my guess, by the way. 113 targets for Mark, 3.1 yards of separation, 10 yards average depth of target downfield. These numbers courtesy of next-gen stats. The other tight end was Greg Dulcich. Denver Broncos. Let's go! All right, Greg. 3.5 yards of separation per target, 11.5 yards depth of target. A real 50, tight end. On 55 yards or 55 targets last year. Let's go. That's exciting. That has nothing to do with the Packers, but that's a it, really it, cool thing. It doesn't. Nugget. Well, maybe this will be my new thing. Maybe I'll go look for some fun factoid about cool. the team at, and the the, uh, the day after. No promises. It just happened to come up with research. I was All right. doing yeah, because you're going to commit yourself to something there. Yeah, that that's a, it's that. a lot. So happy happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Happy Packers Day. Packers welcome. Day. What do Packers fans call themselves? The Pack? They. I have no idea. But welcome, Green Bay Packers fans. Uh, um, team minority team owner is what they probably. Call oh themselves. yeah, that's what they are. That's a cool. That's a cool label. Only yeah, you guys. Nobody can else can that. have that. So congratulations yeah. on that. That's pretty cool. So we're talking about your team today. Kyle and I have taken the time this morning and yesterday to study, right? We've watched film on the players. We've studied the roster. We've categorized every single player on the roster. And so we're going to 
talk about this football team entering 2023 and it's a really interesting situation obviously with Jordan Love now finally it's his turn to play quarterback for this football team and um, we'll start the conversation offensively and I feel like I'm doing the lead in but I also kind of want to do the first talking point if I can do it let it rip all right my prevailing thought on this offense is the wide receivers and tight ends Right, you so. literally have your most experienced receiver or tight end is Josiah DeGuara. Every wide receiver is a rookie second or a year second year player. Yeah. Christian Watson, Samari Toure, Romeo Dubs, your second year players to go with Grant Dubois, Fantavian Wicks, and Jaden Reed. You drafted two tight ends, Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave. I mean, you have very, very inexperienced receivers and tight ends. I understand that there's a lot of ceiling there. There's a lot of physical talent. There's a lot of upside. But you don't necessarily have an established volume target for Jordan Love to lean on. And so with that in mind, and again, I recognize the potency of these weapons, right? But they're still developing weapons around a quarterback that... There's going to be growing pains with these guys playing. This offense has to run through Aaron Jones and and A.J. Dillon. Like, it, I think we said that last year, too. That was a big part of it. Like but they the, were paying Aaron $50 million, right. so they didn't do that. Right. So, But, but like, it's still needed to. I bet you I, Packers are probably a playoff team last year if they are more intentional of getting Jones and Dylan going. And not that they weren't productive. Both those players were productive, Highly but there's, productive, yeah. there's more. There, there's more that needed to be there. Hopefully, they lean into those players. And I, I think who knows how good Jordan Love's going to be. I thought there's been moments in the small sample size of watching him play football that I was very impressed. But we've we've not seen any meaningful sample size for us to actually know. So case in point. I would be all in on Hopkins if I were this team. That's what I'm building to. This is the team that should be all in on DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think they're going to be. That's never been kind of their way. But I would be wanting to add that type of player, especially because he's available. Case in point, I thought there were a number of examples last year where they really had success grounding teams with the run game and, and really challenging. And I know A.J. Dillon, now that I'm on this next-gen stats kick, I happen across this stat today. Um, there were only two or three backs in the NFL who spent less time behind the line of scrimmage on average Ooh. per carry than A.J. Dillon. I love that stat. Tell me more Freight about it. train. So it was like two point... I'm going to float around and produce this thing. A.J. Um, Dillon also top three in the NFL in five circumference as well. So there's that no, to be more. No question. So Saquon average time, excuse me, there was only one running back in the NFL last year that had a shorter duration of time that he spent behind the line of scrimmage per average on carries than A.J. Dillon did. It was Jamal Williams? Who was it? Ch- Chuba Hubbard. Chuba! <laughs> Jamal, Jamal Williams was fourth on this list. Okay, I figured he'd be and high up there. Donta, Donta Foreman was tied with him, and Damian Harris was tied with him, and Samaji P. Ryan was third. Chuba, Chuba's an outlier here. What's he doing he, with these guys? Right. Man, he <laughs> don't want to. You don't want to waste any time behind the line of scrimmage. But so, Keep going. Also interesting with AJ Dillon. Uh, what percent eight man boxes do you think AJ Dillon got last oh, year? Oh, geez, I'd guess a lot. I guess it's a high percentage. Well, the highest percentage of eight-man boxes seen last year by any running back was Tyler Algier. Forty percent of his boxes were eight-man. Makes man sense. Boxes. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, Derrick Henry was second with thirty-eight percent. Makes a lot of sense. 
A.J. Dillon. Uh, Aaron, let, let me start with Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones' third lightest eight-man box count, 10.8%. So while Aaron Jones is the third lowest percentage, uh, A.J. Dillon is the 14th lowest percentage of eight-man boxes. That's 16% of his boxes last year were eight-man boxes. So they're getting so, good looks. They're getting great looks to run the ball. So I think the question will be how that number changes now without Aaron Rodgers, right? Because the the precedent has been you're going to play one high coverage against Rodgers and he's going to take shot plays down the field and he's going to run slot fade or his transition goes or whatever they call him. And it's just like kind of the automatic check where they, they, they're all on the same page. We get this look, I'm going to throw the fade. Well, now that element of this offense, if that's not there, I would expect these numbers to dramatically increase with Jordan Love, and that's going to be the test, the big test for Jordan Love, because it's not like you have you have explosiveness in your skill group, but you don't have experience in your skill group. And if that creates growing pains, that may lead to a critical miscue and a critical juncture of a game. But they were at their best when they came downhill at people. And they're going to need to do more of that. I think the offensive line is constructed to have most of its success when it's coming off the ball as compared to being passive, obviously besides Bakhtiari and Jenkins with their experience. But how many eggs can we put in the Bakhtiari basket at this point with the the durability questions that, that he's dealt with over the last couple of years? I mean, the good thing about Bakhtiari is that he came back last year. He did play, and I thought he started to look like himself. But again, the last three years have been really, really, I mean, it's been crappy, right? We, I mean, I want to watch the best players in, in the world play football, and Bakhtiari has traditionally been that at left tackle, and we haven't had a chance to watch him play with consistency. Yeah. Um, and so him being healthy is going to be really important, um, as well as Elton Jenkins. That left side could be the best left side of the game, right? I mean, if those guys are healthy, mm-hmm. um, but that, that, that hasn't been the case. I, I think I'm a little higher on this O-line. Um, I think that there's a reasonable floor with Myers and Runyon, and, and I really like Zach Tom. I mean, what a tough rookie season for him. I mean, he literally played, he played a, everywhere, everywhere but center as a rookie, <laughs> yeah. like a considerable amount of snaps. And so I'm excited for him to kind of be able to develop into to one spot and and realize his ceiling. I liked him a ton at Wake Forest. But I'll, if you have any thoughts on the offensive line, I'd love to hear them. But how about this quarterback room also? Jordan Love is backed up by Sean Clifford, who's not an NFL caliber quarterback. Like, he's just not. And, and Danny, Danny Etling. Like they have they are ushering in the Jordan Love era. And I, I understand he sat behind Aaron Rodgers for three years. Like I get it. This isn't a rookie quarterback. This is a different situation. But whether it's the skill players or the people in that room with him, and I know that uh, Sean Clifford apparently has a PhD in 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 the nuances of mental capacity with quarterbacks you know, whatever we've heard about how smart he is. This is just an interesting situation for me. This I, I would I I would have a different makeup if it were me ushering in the Jordan Love era. Oh, and I probably would too. So let's ask the question, what would the possible motivations of this be? And and obviously this is all speculative on our part, but is there any value to Jordan having the schooling that he's had the last few years? And now them want them not wanting to change the signals of how things are supposed to be done or 
do they, are are they so hypersensitive? I mean, Green Bay's been so I don't want to say spoiled, but like, dude, you went from Brett to Aaron in like th- a thirty year stretch. Like, there's kind of this established way of doing things that if you're not if you're if if you were the young impressionable player that's now stepping in, is it valued to say, hey, you got the schooling for three years, you're now the guy. We don't want to bring uh, bring in a veteran player that has not been a part of what our culture has been and give you different messaging as you're trying to find yourself as you've been in, I don't want to say indoctrinated, but like you've, you've been brought up in the system for three years now. I'm sure is that, that is valuable? a lot of it. I'm sure that's the reason why. I don't know if it's valuable. It's definitely the reason why, right? Jordan, hey, it's your football team, man. Go do it. Like we want everyone to look at you. You're the guy. Right. Like I get it. I That's the reason. I'm just not sure it's the – it's the most responsible way to play to play this, in my opinion. So uh, I guess the other thing to look at this, too, is when you look at the youth all over this football team, we talked about the skill players. All the wide receivers are first- or second-year players of, of significance. Uh, you got two rookie tight ends that are in here. you got a bunch of first-, second-, and third-year players on the offensive line. Uh, your front seven's got a lot of first- and second-year players as well between Van Ness, Wooden, Slayton, Ford, Wyatt, and Igbare, Quay Walker at line, but like you got a lot of youth, right? I don't want to say you can't be competitive this year, but does everybody just kind of understand, hey, this is a transitional year? So a backup quarterback might not have a great deal of value to us anyway because we kind of understand where we're at in a life cycle. I'm not justifying it. I'm just, I'm just trying to get into the thought process, right? Uh, of how a fifth fifth round quarterback in Sean Clifford, and we've seen the tape of Sean Clifford at Penn State, and Danny Etling hadn't held on anywhere. Like it's Jordan Love or bust at quarterback, and maybe that's maybe that's part of this value too, because he was a first round pick, and everybody berated the pick, and then he's been a backup for three years, and it's like, no man, it's your show, go do it. It's just such an interesting contrast to what other teams are doing. I mean, we we watching the the Steelers, they drafted Kenny Pickett in the first round, showed a lot of promise. They extend Mitchell Trubisky. They bring back Mason Rudolph. And this team's out here like Sean Clifford and Danny Etling. I'm, I'm not saying one way's right or wrong. I would just have – I would have more of a hedge. I, I think the looming shadow of Aaron Rodgers probably has a lot to do with this yeah. as well. All right. Anything else here on this offense before we shift gears to the defensive um, side of football? Just just real quick on the offensive line. I I've, There's a lot of players that I'm excited about what their ceilings are. But I kind of feel about the offensive line, aside of Jenkins and Bakhtiari, like I know Runyon and Myers have started to play some meaningful like amounts of snaps. But that's just a lot of incomplete evaluations for me. I, I'd like a little bit more from a lot of these guys. Now, I think the, the floor is, is modest, and I, I think if you're going to play the brand of football that we're expecting that they're going to play, where they're going to try to really physically challenge teams and run the ball, I think you're setting yourself up for success. But um, Tom, Newman, Runyon, what, Runyon's a third-year player, right? Entering year three. Uh, Myers entering year three. Sean Ryan. Like I think all these guys can be adequate-level starters as, as the floor, but them getting there, I, I just think there's a lot of flux, and that's kind of been as a byproduct of them kind of shuffling offensive linemen around in certain times and kind of moving guys around. So really waiting to let this group 
kind of settle in. Let's find the best five. Let's let them play and let's hope for sustainability and consistent reps and consistent spots and and start to build the chemistry up. Yeah. It's like, it's there's, there's continuity, but it all feels new all, all at the same time with this, with this offense. It's very unique. You know, what's unique built Built bar, Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the, on the planet. Kyle, I'm two in, I'm two in today. I've I've had a birthday cake. I've had a red velvet cake uh, puff as well. These things are awesome. They're so good. They're healthy and they're delicious. Uh, they're delicious because they're covered in 100% real chocolate and they come in great flavors like birthday cake, like red velvet, like churro, like coconut almond, like brownie mm. batter. So many great mm. flavors covered in 100% yep. real chocolate. It's like eating a candy bar, but they're good for you. Low calorie, low sugar, high in protein. You can't beat them. So check it out. Go to built.com. Use our promo code locked on 15. That'll get you 15%. Off your next order, but you can also go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club, get a box off the shelf, and try them right away. Folks, these things are awesome. Check them out, and I've got a feeling if you do, you're going to thank us later. Defensively for the Packers, I think the nice thing is we got a number of cornerstone players that we feel really good about. Yes, we do. Rayshon Gary on the edge, coming back from injury. Kenny Clark, one of the best interior defensive linemen in the game. Jair Alexander, big-time stud. You got some young players uh, that, that you're mixing in amongst this group. Former first-round pick in Eric Stokes. Former first-round pick in Darnell Savage. Um, Lucas Van Ness is a first-round pick this year. Former first-round pick Devontae Wyatt coming into his second year. Keyshawn Nixon really popped to me uh, as a nickel player, as a younger player. So, again, it's... It, it's not a, it's not necessarily a rebuild, but it's a youth movement. And what steps forward all of these young players take is going to define whether Green Bay, and I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that they challenge the Lions in the North, but I also don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility that this is a six or seven win football team with all the inexperience and a, a big change of quarterback and guys stepping into more prominent roles um, defensively, but I think your pillars are there defensively for this unit to kind of cling to with those cornerstone eight, players. Eight first-round picks on this defense? Stokes, Savage, Gary, Wyatt, Walker, Van Ness, Jair. Clark. Clark. Yeah. It's eight. <laughs> yeah. Well, they pick a first-round player on defense every single year, sometimes too. So I guess the, as the years add up, uh, that that's that's what happens. Um, what was their was their last offensive first round pick? Was that was that offensive lineman out of out of uh, Mississippi, if I'm not mistaken, or Texas A and M? About Jordan Love. Oh gosh, Jordan Love. Yeah, non Jordan Love. It, I, All right, I'll pull it up. Thank you. G- give me give me your next thought on the Packers defense while I float around produce this thing. It, it, to me, it's it's all about development. It's about players coming back healthy like Rashawn Gary who can absolutely be a, a proven that he could be a game wrecker what he did two years ago and what he was doing before he got hurt last year but you're you're counting on a lot of growth here from guys like Devontae Wyatt, Wyatt and Quay Walker and you know TJ Slayton that knows who had some flashy moments last year who I'm, I'm pretty excited about we want to see that resume expand obviously Lucas Van Ness you're, you're really for this front seven to come together you love having Devondre Campbell at linebacker who you feel really good about. You love Kenny Clark, but from there it's about development and right. Sean Gary coming back healthy. And and if all that happens, I think this could be a really formidable group. Preston Smith, kind of like a, 
uh, a stalwart there, just very consistent player year in and year out. Uh, lots of like, but the what's going to tip the scales here is is these really young, talented players realizing their ceilings. This is actually insane. If you go back to your 2000, how many first-round picks do you think the Packers have spent on offense since 2000? Three. That's a little more than that, but not by much. Okay. Yeah, Who's this Frank. offensive tackle I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. What's yes, his name? Yes, I do know. Uh, you were right. It was Derek Sherrod for Mississippi Derek State. Derek Sherrod, Mississippi State. Okay. That was the most recent first-round pick on offense aside of Jordan Love. Then Brian Brulaga, so Brian Brulaga in 2010. So now you're okay. two. And then you did B.J. Raji, Justin Harrell. Uh, then you had Aaron We're, we're Aaron just Aaron picking Rogers. defensive players just to take them there. Aaron, we're Aaron Justin Rogers Harrell. is three. In 2005, uh, we had Nick Barnett in there. Uh, Javon Walker, wide receiver. Okay, he had a state. slow start, had a couple good years. Bubba Franks, five first-round offense or offensive players in the NFL draft since the year 2000. Incredible. It's an incredible trend. What do you think about this safety situation? I, I, I like corner Jair Alexander, one of the best um, in the game. I know you're really high on Keyshawn Nixon. I really like him, too. I love Rasul Douglas. Eric Stokes is really talented. Feels like safety's the the spot here for me outside of the development of the front seven where I've got my eyes with Darnell Savage, who like started his career really, really well. The last couple of years have been a little bit shaky. And then no Adrian Amos anymore. We're kind of leaning on Tavarius Moore slash Rudy Ford. Yeah, I think Savage has to bounce back. Uh, and I know he's been banged up at times, uh, so that that's kind of derailed when he was really promising when he first came in. But he's somebody with range and speed. I think Tavarius Moore is somebody else with some level of range and speed. Um, it, there's just a lot of eggs in the savage basket here. Now, I think the nice thing is between Nixon and, and what you have with Campbell and Quay Walker, like you have some competent middle of the, I don't want to say, say competent, you have some plus middle of the field coverage ability with your second level players, right? So yeah, uh, are we going to put Savage as your last line of defense and let his range pop and, and then roll either Tavares Moore, Rudy Ford in here to complement with Walker, Campbell, and Nixon as your, your underneath defenders in zone coverage? If you do that, like, you'd be okay. I just don't think you're going to get – I don't know that you're going to get impact plays from your safeties this year. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're saying, hey, we got Stokes, Douglas, Jair Alexander, and Keyshawn Nixon at corner. So from a coverage perspective, we've got the cover guys to roll however we want to roll. The safety is just the cleanup guy on the back end. I think that that's the ideal scenario based off of who they have unless Darnell Savage returns to form for what his potential was when he first came in and was playing well. How do you feel like this defense stacks up with the division? AFC North, Bears, Lions, Vikings. I think running the football when I think about those other three teams. You feel like this is the the front seven necessary or the, the front seven needed to really hang with those rushing offenses? So I, I think you have the potential to be that. I think Slayton as a true nose. I think Kenny Clark as an A or B gap defender. You like Preston Smith as a, a base end. I like that we have some some twitch in Van Ness and Rayshon Gary, particularly for if you are unblocked on the edge and you got a mirror against fields. 
Um, I think the the dynamic play of the linebacker certainly helps. Walker is an electric plug player. He's got to get his emotions under control. I know he had a couple hothead moments last year. Got him into trouble. But the, the physical talent is obviously there. Uh, Campbell's production the last few years speaks for itself. So I, I, I do think you have, between Clark and Slayton, enough control-type players inside to let these backers flow. And I think you've got enough disruptiveness between Wyatt, Gary, what Van Ness can be, and then you've got a control guy on the edge in Preston Smith, and, and Kingsley Henning Barry had some nice moments last year as a rookie. Um, I think this can be a competitive front with the style of play. I think the mathematical challenges for each team is different because of the the different ways that they play football. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think this can be a top 12 overall defense in the NFL. I do think that. But it's, like you said, it's all about development. You got to see Kingsley and Ibarri take another step forward. You got to see Devontae Wyatt play volume and play well. Clark can't be the only ho- horse and house you have in the middle. You need Slayton to be that. You need Quay yeah. Walker to not get himself kicked out of football games, and you need him to continue to take another step forward as well. Those things happen. I, I do think this can be a very effective defense this year. I feel like Slayton's just like the wild card. He's the guy that, like, if he can really be that anchor in that middle. Yeah. That's going to unlock more for Kenny Clark, who I, you know, I think he's been asked to do a lot in, in run defense, which is kind of taken away from his ability to really get into the backfield and and rush uh, over the last couple of seasons. And I know that the Packers have had their challenges stopping the run, and so um, the NFC in in some ways has become a conference about running the football. Um, and I think your ability to stop the run is critical, and I think that's hurt the Packers a lot in the postseason and even yeah. last year. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, we got to come to consensus on a few players that Kyle and I didn't see eye to eye on as we continue mm. this conversation on the Green Bay Packers today on the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and pull for everyone up on the YouTube, uh, the depth chart of our bucketed players. Of course, our index is roster cornerstones, quality starters, adequate starters, uh, rookies, replacement-level players, replacement-level starters, uh, quality depth, non-NFL roster-caliber players, practice squad developmental types, and incomplete evaluations. So these are the buckets that we have to put. You'll see a lot of pink on this list because you have a lot of youth that I think gives the Packers kind of a high variance of outcomes. I kind of alluded to that where I think they can challenge for this division, but I also would not be surprised to see them be a six or seven win team, depending on all of these young players. It's worth acknowledging. Not all pink players as incomplete evaluations are made the same. Uh, Joe, I certainly think Christian Watson is well on his way to scoring one kind of way versus uh, let's say Royce Newman or Rashid Walker or Jonathan Garvin as other players that are put in the same category. And those those discrepancies on on uh, how close they are to defining themselves into one bucket or another will be reflective when we grade them to do the roster rankings. But just for the uh, uniformity of presenting what buckets we're putting players in, you see a lot of pink because of all the youth on this team. Four players here, right? Rasul Douglas, Josh Myers, John Runyon, and Keyshawn Nixon. 
we have to come to consensus on. So Nixon's the uh, most established, if you will, because he's been in, this is what, year five for Keyshawn Nixon? Mm-hmm. So if we wanted to start with Keyshawn Nixon, there is obviously a special teams component here. It felt like he popped a run on returns weekly. <laughs> yeah, he was awesome. You know what's crazy about that is he had five career kick returns in his previous four seasons. Wow. Comes to Green Bay and is like – and he didn't even start the year as their kick returner. Took over a little bit before, like week six, he takes over as their kick returner. And the dude lights it up. He was electric. Yeah. So I, I think he's you, – you would never give a guy a roster cornerstone for returnability. But if he has another season like – what he did last year on special teams, like he's gonna be, maker. he's gonna be a big time splash player on the hidden com, hidden yardage components of, of the game of football. Um, I think as a nickel corner, you really started to see him take snaps uh, in the back half of the season. There were only two games that he played in the slot uh, prior to Week Eight in which he took any meaningful snaps. And then that that frequency kind of ticked upwards down the stretch, and uh, I know he did. He had some games towards the end of the season where he was playing on returns, but didn't actually dress for uh, the, the, or he didn't play on the defensive side of the football. But I just think this is a player when you take the stratosphere of which he is as a special teams player, and a player who who flashed a bit. As a defensive player, I would make a case that this is a quality player for your roster, particularly in the nickel. Oh, what what bucket is that? Where's the quality player for your roster? Well, we don't have a bucket for that, so I put him in quality starter. I put him in quality depth because at the end of the day, he's very – the high-level moments is both a a slot corner and and a returner. We saw them last year, but, I mean, this sample size is small. Are you are you going to give any bump for the special teams component? I would argue that all of my I mean this guy has played across four seasons 564 snaps on defense. I the reason and in the first two games I watched full transparency when I did the study uh were the last two uh Minnesota which and he, Detroit which he didn't, didn't he even didn't play, even play defense. Yeah. I I saw the impact on special teams. Um so, you know, my exposure to the high level moments at slot I, I i didn't have him as much okay so we'll put him in here as quality depth but i would like the record to state that he's a blue for me okay he can be a he can, he's on his way to being a blue um you know stay on defense to rasul douglas yeah what's why don't you like rasul douglas man what's, what's going I, on there i like rasul douglas plenty i think he's okay. done a nice job since coming to green bay the last two years um I don't think he's as physically. I he's probably what the third most physically gifted corner in this group. Sure, I, you do I'm acknowledge not do that. That, that it'll it, being a impactful NFL player has a lot of variables that feed into it, and some of that is functional athleticism. So, for me, I just I, I see the dynamic play of some of the other players, and I think that makes him uh, somebody you either want to play in zone or there's matchup specific stuff that you, you need to do there. And 
because of that, I think there is a little bit of a glass ceiling on, on how high he can fly. That's all. Oh yeah. I think with Rasul Douglas, the physical limitations are obvious, right? He's not a, a quick twitch springy explosive athlete, but my goodness, he's a good player. And ball production has been off the charts. He's not giving up much in coverage. He tackles. I think he's in a really good scheme that allows him to play the style of football that um, works for him. And I, I, I think if you look at it through that lens, you can appreciate that for this team, he's a quality starter, but I, I get it. He wouldn't be a quality starter for every team. And, and that makes a lot of sense. Like if you're going to run a lot of man coverage, this player is not for you, but what they're asking him to do, I think he's playing at a really high level. Were you surprised to see how much run he got in the slot last year? Green Bay's situation with their secondary and how they play their guys is, is confusing to me altogether. I mean, he took almost 200 snaps in the slot last year. He yeah, never they, taken more than like 50 in a season before that. They value versatility with their DBs. We know that. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine that. I think that maybe speaks to his run defense and ability to tackle, which are good strengths of his as well. So I agree. I, we see the player the same way. The part where I got hung up was as a player who, if you're going to take on that kind of role and that kind of versatility, then being an athletically sufficient player versus a plus athlete, it was it was a little hard for me to negotiate that. That's all. Now, if you want to say, hey, he's going to go back to what he did in 2021 and he's going to play all his snaps outside, then, yeah, I can buy in on this is a, a quality starter on the outside in this scheme. Don't you wonder that, though? Could you have a more different player in Eric Stokes as, as the other guy that would presumably be opposite of Jair? But they all move around. That's why it's confusing. I mean, even Keyshawn Nixon, you, you said it. Guys out there had a great four-game stretch at slot. The last two, he can't get on the field. And they lost both right. games. No, they, they beat Minnesota. That's that, that's wrong. They, Minnesota was not competitive at all in that game. But strange to me. I, where are we coming on this? Because I... I mean, I don't want to fight too hard here. I, right. I'll, I'll I'll put him in quality, but it's with the assumption that he's – and he played over 600 snaps at outside corner last year. It's just he also took one-third of the amount of snaps he took at outside corner and also played him in the slot last year, which I don't think is – especially when you have Jair and Keyshawn, right? Like, I ideally, your two outside guys are, are body types like Stokes and Douglas, right? Yeah. You'd be interchangeable with Jair to follow guys around. Right. They want to put Justin Jefferson in the slot. You put him in the slot. He does do that, though. He does follow guys. So, a couple of offensive linemen here Josh Myers. Josh Myers and John Runyon. I have them as sufficient starters, adequate starters. You have Myers as. Hold on. Incomplete eval. Okay. And I had Runyon as quality depth. All right, so incomplete on Myers. I know he was injured as a rookie. Played every game last year. Yeah, he, only, he took like 1,100 snaps last year. Yeah. I don't know. He's he's one of those. He's a big center that I don't think has a ton of road grading ability, but he also, because he's a bigger center, I think his lateral quickness um, tests him as well. So I, I like I'm waiting for the run, the success in the run game to consistently match 
what his profile is. If that makes sense. <laughs> like Joe Tipman a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Recent Wisconsin, I'm guessing Packers fans know Joe, Joe Tipman. Wisconsin Badgers was right. a was second round pick of the Jets. To the woods. Yeah. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Like bigger center thought he'd be more powerful, better pass blocker range is really good. Right. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, it's a different profile than you get for, you would presume for the, the body type. So I thought so he looked like a sufficient starter though. I think if if I were going to put him in a bucket right now, yes, I would put him in yellow. I'd put him as an adequate starter right now. But with one right. year of sample size, I'm like, okay, can like, can we get to a point where you live up to being a second round draft selection in your physical profile and and be an all around player where you would grade as a quality starter? So I, I right now I'm between quality depth and adequate starter, but I would bucket him as an adequate starter. But I'm also saying to myself, well, you're only really a one year starter because you hardly played as a rookie. So I didn't want to make the commitment in hopes that we could be either an adequate starter or a quality starter. If his, his run game takes a step forward this year. I'll meet you here. I'll go, I'll go pink on okay. this one. Like, like you've said pink, um, they're not all created equal, but I think with that little like nugget of, okay, he's pink but he's really a yellow. We're just wanting to know if he could, you know, if he could be a blue, right? There's, right. there's more and to that, learn here. And when he gets graded, he'll, he's going to get graded as an adequate star. Right. He won't get the same grade as uh, Jake Hansen. Correct. Right. For right. those that are maybe looking at the screen. Uh, so John Runyon now being our last one. And he's been a guy who kind of feels like he's been like the, the cockroach of this offensive line, doesn't it? They keep investing, and yet he keeps like just taking spots. Yeah, I mean, part of that could be to necessity, right? I mean, they've had to move so many guys around. Feels like for the last five years. But I, I so where we're at in this, I have him as an adequate starter. You have him as uh, quality quality depth. depth. I I think you could probably make the case that ideally he is quality depth. But I, the reason I gave him quality starter, and I'm not super firm here, is I feel like he has, like, and I didn't say quality, adequate starter. I feel like he's come in and hasn't killed him. Like, I feel like he's been sufficient uh, for them. When I think ideally he's your first off the bench at guard, problem is he doesn't play center, right? So you, you like a, a three-hole backup a, a, on the interior, but they have plenty of versatility. I, I can understand why ideally he's a a reserve, but I think he's shown over you know he's been here for three years that he can hold his head above water i agree hold your head above water uh so it sounds like we see him fairly similarly as well so they drafted him right around pick 200 in 2020 and then the following year they drafted myers and newman in the first four rounds and then the following year they drafted ryan and tom in the first four rounds yeah so and that that was with jenkins and bakhtiari kind of established as as pillars and obviously you had had Myers to kind of come in and play center. Um, I think he's just been up and down. I actually think he's been a little bit too much of a roller coaster when he's played. I think the the aggregate of all of that combined is like, yes, he's a passable interior offensive lineman, but like I would not want him to be a starter on my offensive line with what he has shown. All right. I'll, I'll meet you here on quality depth. Okay. Because I even said, ideally, I think he's a reserve. He's held his head above water. 
for the most part, as a starter. Probably and I, out I, of necessity. I think when you stack him against some of the other guys that we've given quality depth grades to, I would like to think that that will be congruent as far as like where he falls. Like case in point, some of the other quality depth assignments that we've given for starting offensive linemen is Tyler Shatley, uh, Jake Brendel, Nick Gates, like those kinds of players. Dan Moore, Ben Barch, Lucas Patrick, speaking of Packers, flex interior guys. So I feel like that's the right stratosphere. I have a transitional point to make. Okay, very good. Right now, we are on track for somebody not named Mason Crosby to kick a field goal for this team for the first first time time since 2007. It's incredible. Can you do me a favor and just say the year one more team time? 2007. Mm. I'm not a math guy, but that's 15 years. I hope you're right because I'm not doing that math in my head. Well, it's he'll, he'll have been kicking for 15, and then this is like seven would be 16, I think. So. Anders Carlson. Yeah, rookie, rookie. rookie kicker. All right. Any final thoughts on the Packers before we get out of here? Are they a better team or not, Kyle? No. Yeah, you know what? I don't think I could say they are. What, what, like, because I, I don't, I don't think you can sit here and, and count on guys getting better. I think it will happen and you should be mindful of it. Mm-hmm. But where did they actually upgrade this roster in a meaningful way that makes you say it's better right now? They got a worse at quarterback, presumably, you would think. They got worse at safety. Everything else is the same. This, they didn't do a lot. Right. right. So it, it feels like a transitional year for the Packers and maybe they catch lightning in a bottle and the chemistry is better. I, th- I think there's a case in which the team chemistry is better and the, the play is more complimentary of what the players are good at. Yeah, yeah that's true. And maybe that's how you're better, but I, I, I don't think you can, can quantify the talent that's been collected and, and definitively say that, yes, it's yeah. a better group. Your path here is players growing, young players developing. And, and of course, Rashawn Gary and even David Bakhtiari as well. Yep. Coming back from injuries. That That's your path. There you go. I'm Kyle Krabs. He's Joe Marino. We are the Draft Dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We appreciate you guys checking out the show. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We kindly invite you, if you're watching on YouTube, to like the video, subscribe to the channel, comment, tell us what your thoughts are. I think we're going to leave a, a thought-provoking question as well that we would love to hear from you guys on. So uh, we're out of here. We'll be back again tomorrow. Tomorrow, Joe, is the you're the schedule master. I do have it, but I don't want to. Oh. S- it's a, Right now, we have a prospect down for tomorrow. We rolling with that prospect? Yeah, let's do that. Right. It's a quarterback. It's a quarterback. Drake May, Drake North Carolina. Mayday. It's May Day. May Day. There you go. For the first day of June. Make that make sense. We can't, but... <laughs> Hope you come back here to talk about Drake May, and then we'll do the Philadelphia Eagles on Friday, defending NFC champions. So that's the rest of our week. We hope to see you then. We are out of here. Peace.